The College Game Day podcast is presented by Old Dominion Freight Line, helping the world keep promises. We got a real simple plan. One me and one mission. Georgia has won the national championship. You're a fan, you might think this is sports heaven. This might be college football heaven. This is ESPN's College Game Day podcast. Now alongside Pete Thamel, is Reese Davis. The latest college football playoff rankings are out. Not a lot of drama and a little bit of backtracking after the initial interview. This is College Game Day podcast for Wednesday, November 30th. Reese Davis and Pete Thamel here. So, Pete, no real surprise. Uh, I have Michigan ranked ahead of Georgia. That's mainly a nod to them having the best win of the season and it being this week. Honesty compels me to say I think Georgia's probably the better team, so I've got zero problem with them being number one. TCU three, SC up to four, and the stack up behind was Ohio State, Alabama, Tennessee, the presumed three contenders. Should SC falter, and some believe should TCU falter. I asked Boo Corrigan whether they were locked into those positions, given that the body of work was complete. You know, Boo said, you're asking me to project. I said, no, not really, because they're finished play. And he said, he said, correct. But then in the aftermath has clarified that it'll be reevaluated. They're not necessarily locked into those positions. I contend that even though he said the right thing in the aftermath by correcting and backtracking that de facto, the real truth is they are locked in those positions and Ohio State will be the team if there is a spot open. Would you concur with that? Oh, I mean. Again, you actually made a reference to this on the show tonight. I was proud of it that uh, some of us root for chaos and mm-hmm. uh, the chaos of Alabama leaping over Ohio State and not obviously playing would really create like the college football. Like Twitter actually may go away. Elon's tried his hardest by laying off 90 <laughs> percent of it. But no, it would actually melt down like a nuclear meltdown. Um, yes, the state of Ohio. um, which was a sad, sad place late Saturday night, um, would uh, would would really not have good times with that. I, Reese, am going to stay. I, I'm going to stay optimistic. You, you've rubbed off on me this whole season. You've you've sucked the uh, Northeast pessimistic, <laughs> sarcastic, dark soul out of me. I just, I believe in chaos. I believe that enough can happen this weekend that a TCU loss makes it a really riveting debate between them and Ohio State. Now you can say, okay, what one of their, you know, you could stack their best wins, et cetera. But mm -hmm. like you objectively have to think who's the better team. If TCU played Ohio State tomorrow in Fargo, who's favored by how much? Well, probably Ohio State's favored by touchdown because I think TCU is only favored by two and a half. But if you use that logic, Pete, then Alabama has to be in. Because Alabama's favored against every one of those teams, <laughs> I would argue, with the exception of possibly Georgia, right? Well, maybe, I don't maybe know. Would, not. Would Alabama ranking. be favored against Ohio State? I, I mean, it would be, it'd be, yeah, it would be a a half point, or you know, it would be less than a field goal either way. Yeah, I mean, you know what? I had I had someone reach out to me about that um, about that very thing, and I'm going to dig up the email uh, right now. Uh, Danny Sheridan. I think this who, person might have reached. Oh, Danny Sheridan did. I got. I yeah, had to was, reach out. Right there's the, yeah. it's lobbying season. Kevin Warren was lobbying in the press box in Columbus. Yeah. We're we're starting to hear the little whispers of what if. That's good. Okay, lobbying here season. it is. 
here it is. Here's what Sheridan has. And he also said he bounced it off uh, some people around. You know, Danny's an odds maker. You can take it for what it's worth. Alabama minus three against Ohio State. Alabama minus six against USC. Alabama minus seven against TCU. Now, mind you, I'm not I'm not advocating or lobbying that the Crimson Tide should be in. I, I don't think they should be because while, you know, Van Pelt and I talked about this a little bit too. If they got in, could they win the national championship? Well, of course they could. Sure. But over the course of the season, you need you need to win the right games. You need to, if you're going to have a suspect uh, record as as they do relative to being in the top four, you can't have as many other close calls as they did. I don't think they've done enough to get in. Now, I will also say this. I don't think there are any good options if USC loses because Ohio State has a has a couple of good wins, a couple of really good wins, but that flop at the end, you're you know, you're going in off of that. That's not a good option. Tennessee blasted by South Carolina and now without their starting quarterback. That's not a good option, and I've just outlined the reason why Alabama's not a great option. So that but I'm going to tell you this, if SC loses, they're not a good option either. So, you know, I say the lesser of some bad choices, mm-hmm. if there's an option, is Ohio State. Now, not when I say bad choices, I don't mean bad teams. Those are all good teams. Sure. But I mean relative to picking four teams that are unequivocally the best, that are on mm-hmm. top, I don't think there's a great option at number four unless we have the status quo. Yeah, and I think Ohio State going to four if USC loses is, I don't say a no-brainer, but got to remember, in the history of the playoff – there have been zero two-loss teams. And I don't think this two-loss USC team, which really doesn't have like a stand-on-the-table signature win, right? Mm-hmm. They don't have a top 10 win, do they? Uh, they do not. What their best win would be, um, let's see, they lost, they lost to Utah, obviously. They beat UCLA. Uh, they beat Notre Dame. It's not a it's not a top yeah. ten win. Actually, Oregon wins. Oregon yeah. State is a is a good solid win for them. Good win. You know, yep. Road yeah, win. They have they have several good solid wins. Really, the only teams that have those stand on the table great wins are Michigan, obviously. Sure. Which is the best in my judgment. Boy, they stood on that table, didn't they? Yes, Ooh. they did. And I would say I would say Georgia with the Tennessee game. And I give the nod to Michigan's win because it was on the road. Georgia's was at home. Uh, but with Tennessee being that hot, you know, hooker, full full, full strength, all of that, uh, that was that was probably the second best win of the season, I think. Um, you know, at least among contenders. You know, among mm-hmm. contenders, I mean. Yeah. No, I, I don't I don't disagree with that. Uh I don't disagree with that at all. Um, you know, as we talked about on the uh on on the early week pod, uh Columbus was a fatalistic place on mm-hmm. on Saturday night. It was a dark, dark place. Uh, I went out uh, after doing some work uh, pretty late to get a to get a bite to eat, and I was just sort of catching the overheard, you know, Monday morning quarterback, Saturday night quarterback of the of Buckeye Nation, and it was it was amusing. And uh, you know, C.J. Stroud needs to run the ball, which I kind of agree with, by the way. Um, you know, but it was just <laughs> like it's it's always interesting to hear the frustrations of the rich because it's like the 
you know, it's like when the uber wealthy go on vacation and complain that their Mai Tai doesn't come fast enough at the Ritz Carlton, right? Like that's like, those are the Ohio's, but when they're, when those complaints are happening, they're real and they're mm-hmm. loud. And, uh, they were, they were certainly echoing through, uh, through the night on, uh, on, on Saturday in Columbus. But I think if you take a breath and I, I saw, I saw Boo talk tonight to you about the entire season's body of work and not being mm-hmm. a prisoner of the moment and not overreacting, uh, overreacting too much. I want to say that was a seven, eight point game with, you know, in the second half of the fourth quarter. Now it went off the rails spectacularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it just, it's interesting when you take, when you take a breath and look back, like it was, it, you know, it would not surprise me at all if on selection Sunday, you know, with, with chaos, the beauty, the inherent beauty and backbone of our sport, if the old Buckeyes got in and I would think we would very quickly shift to, they want to bounce back and that Georgia game is going to be a lot of fun. Oh, they're much like, uh, much, much like Alabama. And if hooker were healthy with Tennessee, I think the same would be true for them. If Ohio state gets in, they can win the national championship. Oh, I mean, yeah. I don't think there's any question about that, you know, unless, unless they're, Psyche has been damaged, say, the way uh, – and I know there were some injury issues with Jason White, as I recall, in 2003. But, you know, Oklahoma had built such a big lead in 2003 in the BCS that they didn't have to win the Big 12 championship game. And Kansas State smashed them 35-7. And, you know, they played fairly close against LSU in the championship game, but they 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 had been rattled. It's sort of been shaken to the core. At least it seemed that way. And as I said, I know they had some injury issues. But, you know, unless something like that has happened to Ohio State, I think your your line of thinking is more in line with what the reality would be. Is it Ohio State wants to prove itself? Game got away from them. The way they played in the first half is much more indicative of the type of team they are. And they would probably sure hope that Michigan won its semifinal game because I would assume Michigan stays in the two, three slot and Ohio State would play Georgia. That they hope they win and they get a shot at Michigan in the national championship game. So, sort of the Big Ten version of Bama, Georgia and revenge last mm-hmm. year. You know, it'd be very similar. Yes. Yes. And uh, you're talking to some people around the Big Ten today. That was uh, people pretty quickly forgot the tenor in which Georgia lost that game in which Jameson Williams is still running free on fly routes uh, in my in my memory from the uh, from the Georgia Dome that afternoon. So I uh, I think uh, I think there's a little drama left in this in this year season. It's been it has been a remarkably fun year. And TCU, where we're going on Saturday, has uh, has probably been. Uh, you've called it the best, the story of the season, and and, and I mm-hmm. agree with that. It has been the, the most fun from the hypno toad to like it's just had a little <laughs> bit of everything. Sunny Dykes re-energized in the perfect place for Sunny Dykes, right in in Fort Worth, um, and uh, you know a, a talented program and re-energized with a little mm-hmm. bit of new leadership. And so, yeah, it's been uh, it's it's been really neat to see that and. I'll be really curious, um, you know, the shades of purple coming this weekend, right? The purple rain that we're going to see in, uh, in in Jerry World with TCU and with K-State. Um, those two fan bases really coming out. Because let's face it, Kansas State has had one heck of a season. Um, you know, Chris Kleiman deserves, deserves a ton of credit. And, you know, not surprisingly, you know, we've picked all the TCU games this year. They're not heavy favorites. 
I think that number is is what it's. I think it's uh, two and a half. Two, two and a half. Yeah, it's two. And I think last time I saw it was two and a half. Yeah, it's two and a half. And um, yeah, it. And this is the first time that I think TCU could really be tight, right? K State's going to go in there with nothing to lose and mm-hmm. hoping to crush their dreams, and they've showed the capability of blowing teams out. And TCU now is right there on the cusp. And uh, human nature is a huge part of what happens in the performance of 18 to 22 year olds. And so far TCU, everyone's been waiting for him to let down. You have, you have faded in your usage of the Sunny Dykes fade Reese. <laughs> you know what I have, he's overcome it because now even, even if they lose, it's yeah. not a fade. And no. this is a, this is a really good team. They're playing yes. a team that can beat them, a team that yes. had them down by 18 points in Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think it's any, grand failure on TCU's part if they don't win the game Saturday afternoon. But you know, they also they're a veteran bunch. You know, I think they're I think I ran across something today in doing doing some prep. I think they're the what one of just a handful of power five teams who've started the same offensive line in every game. Everybody's talked about them going to back sure. of quarterback uh, the last drive against Baylor. They didn't have Quentin Johnston. <clears throat> they didn't have Kendra Miller. But what they did have they had that offensive line. There were seven. There were seven Power Five programs who wow. had the same offensive line every game. I and bet they they've all had good seasons. Yeah, and they have 172 career starts oh. among them. And I bring that up because I think a lot of times when you get tight, you do have the skill players getting tight, but sometimes you, you start letting letting in pressures, and Kansas State certainly, certainly has guys that can pressure. You start giving up pressure, start blowing blocks. Maybe if you've got veteran guys who've been been around the block, uh, so to speak, but we'll see. If you had to pick one, if you had to pick one of the top three to lose their championship game, uh, would it be, I'll say one of the top four, would it be Georgia? Would it be Michigan losing to the spoiler makers who have built an entire reputation on on doing this? They've done this more than anybody uh, historically in beating highly ranked teams, you know, when unranked. Would it be TCU or will it be Utah beating USC again? The spoiler makers, I bear is going to love the spoiler makers this week because I, I got a feeling there's going to be a few Wolverines resting and we'll, we'll follow that up on college game day on Saturday morning. But like, you don't oh. play Blake Corum in this game, right? No, I, I mean, not no. after he had two snaps and tapped out, right? Like yeah, that doesn't, right. that doesn't make sense. Um, you don't trot Mike Morris out there for five, six snaps on that gimpy ankle. Um, I, I, so I just think. You know, again, human nature let down. That said, I, I can't take Purdue. Like, I just don't think their <laughs> defensive front is. The, Michigan is designed to just systemically, slowly pick apart and eviscerate uh, somebody like that. And look, th- there were times when Michigan felt like in the first half of that game, Reese, they were on the ropes in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the horseshoe. Um, there were times where, and so can Aiden O'Connell come out and, and, and spin that magic bean around and make it interesting for a minute. But I just think they that offensive line is just going to eventually annihilate um, Purdue for that. So I would uh, – I'm going to pick Kansas State 
Like I don't know many teams that are that are playing better right now in in the country than Kansas State. So if I had to pick a most likely team to win, I would take Kansas State uh, against uh, against TCU. I think Will Howard could be one of the faces of the sport next year out of the Big Twelve, and uh, I'm you know I'm I'm really excited to to see them let it you know to see them really let it rip. Will Howard since he's taken over. Um, you know they've they've increased their scoring over their last five games. They're averaging forty points per game. You know, at one point they were going to redshirt him, and when he came into the TCU game, they actually extended the lead because Adrian Martinez was still playing. Then, then Will got hurt. They got a little sideways when uh, uh, Jake Rubley came in. Will came back, wasn't himself, but man, he's been he's been sensational. And I think that's a good call that next year he definitely could be one of the faces of the sport. He could be a story of the day on championship Saturday. No doubt. For sure. Uh, Best in Game is brought to you by Old Dominion Freight Line, helping the world keep promises. I do. Who want do you think you get upset? I'm not letting you off the. I'm not letting you, you know, off the unflappable unf- It would unflappable have to be host. Kansas State, but by super dog rules, that would be too close to spread. Oh, okay. So if I were going to if I were going to pick one, uh, really the only choice with a bigger spread would be LSU or Purdue. I, I would take Purdue because of resting some Wolverines, because of the emotional nature of last week, and because of just the weird voodoo hex that Purdue can throw at you for some reason. I mean, they've won nine games when unranked against top two opponents. You say, well, so oh. what? Big deal. Do you know no other team has more than four wins like that? They've done that's it nine times. Mind-bending. And I mean, that's, yeah. There's no logical reason at all to think that Purdue can pull that upset. That None. Zero. Except that they always seem to find a way. There wasn't much reason to think they'd roll double nickels on Ohio State back in 17 uh, – or no, uh, Tyler Trent year wasn't 55 or whatever it was, but the year that, you know, the Tyler yeah. Trent game, the famous game, there's 49 yeah. points they put up. There was no reason to think that that night either. And they did it. No, no. Who's Rondale the little, Moore, uh, Rondale Moore. He's still yeah. running away from the Buckeye defense. Yeah. Just, uh, just ripped right through them. So, you know, certainly I tell you, Michigan answered the bell. I'll give them this though. Last year, you could have said the same thing, uh, against Iowa. In the Big cool. Ten championship game, that well, you know, Iowa's got a good defense. Maybe they've got a chance. Michigan's going to be celebrating. Man, they went in and they took care of business. Yeah. And if they, if Michigan comes in like that, um, the game won't be close. Yeah, they mauled Iowa. What was that game like fifty to three? Yeah, something like that. I mean, it was. Yeah, that was that was not that was not uh, Kirk Ferentz's finest uh, f- finest performance. Um, Speaking of Iowa and Michigan, there's a, there's a lot of buzz that Kate McNamara will transfer to Iowa from Michigan. Let me let me ask you let me ask you about yeah. about that. And I want to talk about some of these things, some of these other news things that are going on. I mean, look, I I really like Kirk Ferentz personally, and I know they've had wonderful guys. Yeah, he's a terrific guy. And he's a he's a great coach he's done a great job i know we've had some fun with their offense and and all of that over the course of the year and they've earned that that's okay it's fair game but why i mean why why would a quarterback choose a program like that that 
Um, I mean, I understand what McNamara's skill set is, but why would they choose a program that's had, you know, such difficulty in putting quarterbacks in great positions, at least in the last few years? I know you go back a few years, they had, you know, Nate Stanley and some other guys that, you know, they've, they've done a better job with, but why? Who's the kid? Uh, he's like Bethard. the son of a... Are you thinking of Bethard? Yeah, I'm thinking of Beth. C.J. Beathard. Yeah, yeah. C.J. Beathard. Remember that? Yeah. Remember that? Uh, I think it was Iowa, Michigan State, Big Ten mm-hmm. title game that was won on like a 22 play drive. Yeah, um, yeah. You know that kind of broke uh, broke Iowa's uh, broke Iowa's hearts there. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I heard the McNamara thing. I was like, oh, like to me, what Jim Harbaugh's done at Michigan, and this is a compliment. He's built them into a better version of Wisconsin and Iowa. Now, look. <laughs> The, the Ohio State game, if that's your only point of reference, you'd think, no, they're a dynamic play juggernaut. But that was like an anomaly, what happened, the, the way they scored those five chunk touchdowns. It's just mm-hmm. that is just not the way they played. And it was um, there were just giant lapses in both coverage and tackling. And then God only knows what happened on those two runs at the end for Ohio State. But they are they are a team built on game, game management and good decisions. Now, credit J.J. McCarthy. He played all world. On Saturday, mm-hmm. I mean, he he that's the he had the game of his life, and he's a very good quarterback. I in that uh, you know the big scouting breakdown I did, Reese. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I had a coach be like, "Man, he's a first round pick, like down the line. Like people are people are sleeping on his talent." Every time about Shroud, and so it was. Uh, you know, that was certainly I thought an interesting. Um, you know, a little bit of an interesting. Just I hadn't heard that. I hadn't thought that. I thought he was a better version of McNamara, but not you know not maybe have the dynamic arm talent you have to be to be considered in that uh in that class now he certainly was opportunistic with his feet i mean that's always been a great uh a great skill so yeah the mcnamara thing pretty interesting uh i thought pretty interesting you know i don't know why i haven't heard any rumors except for i knew he was going into the portal you know where i thought he would go where notre dame that, is that his last seemed, name's McNamara Reese? No, because it seemed to it seemed to fit. Maybe I'm just thinking, yeah. you know, Jack Cohn you know, took that route for the Irish from Wisconsin to Notre Dame. And I thought, you know what? Yeah. Kate McNamara would be a good fit for the way Tommy Reese mm-hmm. runs things at, at Notre Dame. So yeah, I don't know. Notre Dame well, is definitely going to be in the portal market and they're going to be oh, in it hard. Uh we broke the story today that Hudson Card is going in the portal. Um yeah, there's uh there there will be there will be intense Irish interest. Um on all the top uh, portal guys, we already have Hank Bachmeyer. Uh, I'm a, a Hank Bachmeyer mm-hmm. fan. Uh, he won a lot of games at Boise and is a really solid quarterback. Um, he's, you know, there there's a lot of good quarterbacks who played a lot of good college football, a lot of talented guys, and it's been fun to see the Hendon Hookers of the world. Where you know what, quarterbacks hard man. There's so mm-hmm. many variables that go into it. it. Has to be the right system, the right coach. You you, you can't have. I'm mean, look at Phil Jerkovic this year. His offensive line just got him annihilated, and you can take steps back. Uh, that's at Boston College. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I'm all for the second chances. I mean, can you imagine Matt Castle doing what he did? Remember Matt Castle? Did, <laughs> oh yeah. I, I mean, he sat behind liner the whole yeah, time. Basically, yeah. I don't believe he started a game um, there. And uh, yeah, now he's on like local TV in Boston, breaking down Patriots games. He was a late round pick and ended up being a you know darn good NFL player. But that's like, yeah. I mean, even Cardale Jones, which was less than ten years ago, the notion of Cardale sitting and waiting his turn all those years. Um, you know, he would have gone to you know Akron or Northern Illinois and slung the rock you know fifty times. Um, so uh, there's you know just there's 
they're they're December fifth is the official portal date. I can't even imagine what it's going to look like on that day. Like I just it that that's just going to be sheer and utter chaos. Like talking to coaches uh, this week, and they're like, "We're re-recruiting our guys right now." Like you yeah. know, they're having individual yeah. meetings, making sure guys don't want to go in the portal. Like, and if they are going to go. You know, that's fine and normal, but they need to figure out ways around them. And and then mm-hmm. coaches have to decide, can we go get someone better than him in the pool? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's uh, the those personnel departments that have really built up over the last decade are being tried and tested right now. Um, I did hear a lot, bunch of stories today about, yeah, School X kind of lobbed, you know, lobbed some calls to the high school coach just to check <laughs> in. You know? Just in case. Is happy? Are, are you sure? But, you know, if, if he ever thinks he's not happy. You know, we we could really use somebody like him. We really liked him coming out of high school. <laughs> you wonder if they start, hey, you got any juniors I should look at, or they just dive right into it. <laughs> yeah, probably. Just, yeah, at this point, there, there's no time to waste. You dive right in. You know, of all the guys going, there'll be many more going into the portal. I'm really, I'm really interested in Hudson Card. I mean, I know, I know you mentioned him about that. Is there any likely landing spot for him? Um that you can think of top of your head without without divulging a story that you're probably going to break at some point in the not too distant future. I would think Hudson Card can go just about anywhere he wants. He's a <laughs> you know six one six two pedigree from uh, Lake Travis High School in Austin, top forty recruit coming out of high school. Started five games, slung the magic of being against Alabama after Quinn Ewers got hurt this year. What scares coaches is the guys who haven't played. And Hudson mm-hmm. Card has played enough. I think he's three and two as a starter. Um, there's there's high end arm talent there. And uh, from uh, from talking to some sources today for the uh, for the story that I did, he just wants to go somewhere he can develop. That like mm-hmm. the the people around him really think that the tools are there to be an NFL quarterback. And uh, you know the 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 joke in the uh, in the NIL kind of quarterback world is. The first decision you make is an emotional decision, and then you have to make a business decision. And mm-hmm. uh, Hudson Card is going to make a business decision, and he's going to have good business options. Business decisions made in made in coaching as well, too. What did you once it finally came and settled in, and Twitter's having a field day with it? We're going to visit with him on Saturday, I believe, on College Game Day. What did you make of the way Hugh Freeze handled uh, handled the introduction, the move to Auburn so far? Uh, you know, it was all very Hugh Freeze, right? You're like, oh, I remember Hugh. I remember, you know, he's got a little <laughs> little televangelist in him, you know, like there's just there's a there's a certain self-assurance and a certain charm um that that comes with Hugh, but there's there's certainly baggage um that comes with him as well. And so yeah, I thought it was I thought it was about what you'd expect it to be, right? Um it, it was, you know. It, it's sort of a, a comeback story. I don't know how many people were rooting for the comeback story. You know what I mean? Usually, like it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's it, got so a lot it's, to overcome. It, I mean, with, with yeah, a lot, so a lot of, of self-inflicted wounds. Sure. Um, I mean, here's the thing on Freeze. Like that, if if we're just gonna like <laughs> three, two, one. Here's the thing on Freeze. If we're just gonna go to the you know the the brass knuckles of it all, like he not only called a hooker from his school phone, he was dumb enough to call a hooker from his school phone. So there was some, some, you you can more, I'm not a pro clutcher. I think our, I think our listeners would know that, but there's just a, a baseline brazenness there um, that just, you know, was that. And then, 
obviously the NCA violations, um, th- there was parents quoted basically saying that they were misled. So they, like there was plenty of malfeasance. And, and, and look, Auburn kind of acknowledged all that and said, we want to go beat Alabama. And this guy beat Alabama twice. And you know mm-hmm. what? It's a it's a billion dollar entertainment business. And Hugh Freeze is another storyline. And yeah. uh, he's earned it on the field. And, um, you know, he he sort of fought he's fought his way back and, and give Liberty credit. Right. That was a that was a pretty good marriage of mutual desperation. Right. Liberty mm-hmm. wanted to become a factor in big time college football. And they did by hiring Hugh Freeze and Hugh Freeze needed a chance. And Liberty gave him the chance. And so that marriage worked out tremendously. There, the inclination among people is to sit in a place of unearned moral authority. And the personal failings, and they were that, of Hugh Freeze and and his malfeasance and extra marital activities, that's between him and his wife and he and his daughters. And his family and his and his faith. And, you know, to sit here and to hear a lot of people say, well, you know, I don't believe him. You know, he's he's this or that. I don't think he means it. That's, that's, we don't get to do that. We don't we haven't earned that moral authority place. The question becomes, whenever you're in the public eye, and this goes for you and me, too, if we have a, a failing of some type that becomes public, it is going to follow us, period. That's the way it is. And he had a very public one, a very embarrassing one, and one that, you know, sort of like a a fastball running in on you. You're just going to have to wear it for the rest of your career. You're going to have to wear that and hope that from a personal standpoint, you've moved past it from an opposing fan social media standpoint. That's never going away. So, you know, that will always be something that he has to deal with. So if Auburn's comfortable with it and, you know, they, they feel as if, you know, that's not going to, um, you know, I, I'm not really even sure what the NCAA rules are anymore. But if, you know, if he's not going to get them into, if there are rules, if he's not going to get them in trouble um, with the rules and they feel comfortable with how he's going to represent them, well, you know what? I mean, he who is without sin, right, cast the first stone. So here he comes. He's a very good football coach. And, you know, and I think, Ironically, if I saw the schedule correctly, you'll get a chance uh, for other redemption against New Mexico State on Auburn. Now I think they play. I think they play Auburn oh, next year. After I mean, they boy, they that was that was the one where you're like, oh, the whole team knows coach is leaving. We're out, you know. So that was, yeah, but it, it's a it's an interesting thing because it is going to be constant fodder forever. And, and the other funny thing that I saw was in the oddity, the last three Auburn coaches now have had really short tenures at Arkansas State. So some wise guy on Twitter <laughs> said, if this one doesn't work out, they should try Butch Jones next, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is, which is something I wish I'd thought of to say first, but I'll give credit to whoever it was that posted it on Twitter. I saw someone, and I think it was an Arkansas uh, media member post that, Auburn has paid former Arkansas State coaches like $129 million. <laughs> Red, uh, my buddy Red Wolves uh, AD Jeff Purinton says he wishes he could have that money to uh, invigorate the program. I'm sure just yeah. a little slice of it, right? 
They do have great facilities if you've ever been to Jones Road. They have like elite, elite G5 facilities. You know what? Uh, G. Wojciechowski was telling me about that. I haven't, uh, I, I've never been there, but yeah. he, he went, uh, he went for, well, I think he went for the, uh, the Saban Reclamation Project story. He yes. talked to Butch for a yeah. while and he, he was raving about the facilities that they have. There, I right. was there a couple of years ago. Charlie Strong grew up near there, and mm-hmm. I did a big profile on him for Sports Illustrated, and I uh, went to Batesville, Arkansas. And I, I recall, and this is a while ago, it's probably changed, but I recall Jonesboro being a dry town. I'm always skeptical of dry towns. Just, I just want options. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> there, do you think any of our listeners don't know what dry towns are? Because I, I grew oh. up, I, I grew up in dry, uh, dry towns and uh, dry counties. Yeah. Yeah, you should. So, yeah. Like, so it means you can't buy alcohol or right. there's like rules of where you can buy alcohol or or when. And I, I can't sit there and tell you, you can't or can't have a drink at a restaurant there. But I, I, I was told um, that there was a dry county or town. I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember which one, but it was, it was a constant, uh, constant theme when I was there. So uh, try recruiting there, huh? Yeah. I don't think well, it is anymore though. I want to be clear about that. Yeah. There was no, um, in the Davis household growing up, there was no alcohol period. Huh. Ever, ever. And but I do know that people who did choose to indulge for a long period of time, they had to go to the bootleggers. So there would be there would be people, you know, who would sneak across the state line to Mississippi or Tennessee or someplace and sneak it back. Or maybe in some cases, maybe they made some and then people would go and there would be commerce. (laughs) <laughs> under the table. Did you grow up on a pirate ship in 1842? <laughs> I, I, I did not. I, I did not. I grew up in uh, in Northwest Alabama where it was okay. dry for quite some period of time. Is it still? Not, it is. It is not. Not, not where, um, not where I consider, uh, you know, the place where I grew up most okay. of the time at Muscle Shoals. It was, it was not. It, it was not. That's right. You're from there. Muscle Shoals. I am from, I we've got the Swampers. We've been known to pick a song or two. You, so, yeah, you you took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, 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 that's for sure. So what else is happening in terms of coaching searches? I mean, nothing. So nothing's uh, more entertaining Brent, than this, Brent, this time of year. Brent Key got uh, promoted today. Um, yeah, I was. Yeah, I heard from Jay Bat. I, re- I mean, I saw that. He wanted to make sure that we were aware of it, which I knew we were. I think he made a good choice. There. Yeah. So, you know, credit Brent Key. I, I would not have given him much of a chance when he took over um, mm. just because of the state of the roster. And uh, I believe they went four and four under him and they had some big wins. Carolina um, obviously was probably the biggest of all of all those wins. And honestly, if you'd asked me last week, I probably wouldn't have given Brent Key much of a chance. But no. the the way the search uh, unfolded and, and Jay Bat, the, the rookie athletic director there in his first big hire, did a national search, talked to 10, 12 people. And uh, in, you know, it was reported actually in Atlanta that that Willie Fritz was uh, was had taken the job, was going to take the job. Somebody reported there was a team meeting, and uh, Willie had gone and spoken to uh, Georgia Tech, but no, no deal was consummated. And uh, you know, we reported Tuesday afternoon that, and it's a, it's an interesting prism into collegiate administration mm-hmm. that a couple of the higher profile candidates that they were courting, including Fritz. Um, were a little turned off because they wouldn't guarantee a ton of money. Now, if you're an administrator taking over at Georgia Tech, not Jay Bat, but above his level, mm-hmm. and you see, you you get you get served an eleven point three million dollar bill uh, to to pay Jeff Collins to go away, 
-hmm. there's some obviously understandable institutional hesitancy to, you know, guarantee a whole bunch of contracts. So, mm-hmm. um, the you know the, the salaries were probably on the lower side. It's Georgia Tech; they don't have a huge budget. But if the if the numbers aren't guaranteed, there were there were a handful of coaches who said, you know what, I'm a little more comfortable staying where I am now. And mm-hmm. so, as they kind of looked out over the landscape, they said, you know what, we have a guy here who did a really good job, who stayed solid, and. Uh, they went and uh, they went this afternoon. Met with him around two o'clock and uh, promoted him to be uh, to be the head coach. And he's a Georgia Tech guy, too, Pete. Oh, yeah. And sometimes, captain, yeah, that's not always the best thing. There are a lot of times when I I feel badly when it goes sideways at your alma mater because nothing's ever really the same, you know. Mm-hmm. And but there's also a great power to it because there's not if you go there. Um, it might more likely if it goes well, might be a long-term place. Now, I, I don't think that hardly anyone is a 15, 20 year solution anymore. But if you can get eight to ten, you know, well, out of somebody without attorney. them look yeah, without them looking to jump after three, that's that's a, a good job. And if you if things weren't going well, you have a guy who who kept a program together and got some big wins um when really they didn't have much of a right to. This year, he did a really good job and, you know, built some trust yeah. with the players. So why not? I mean, uh, yeah. I think it's uh, yeah. we also got a touchdown out of the former winged beaver Tyson Pumachan, the former Clemson Tiger, but yeah. former AOF quarterback, Avon O'Connor. Chip Long was running two quarterbacks in and out uh, for a while. He was using Tyson in the uh, in the red zone. I think we were actually watching this on the way back from Bozeman mm-hmm. um, that uh, that night. I, this is this is what I'll say about Brent Key, uh, and, and one of the reasons why he got the job, and why there's some promise to, to to this hire. I believe Tech had three punts blocked the first three weeks of the season. Again, it's a little foggy in my mind here, but it was they had a bunch of punts blocked, and I was told they weren't working on punt like protection in practice. So when you're not addressing the weaknesses of your program, there was just sort of a, an accountability issue for, you know, for Jeff Collins. Now, Jeff Collins has always been a good recruiter. He came from the Saban system. There was a good development plan in place. There was clearly a talented roster because they, you know, they went 500, um, you know, running out the, uh, running out the string. So I, uh, you know, I really think that maximizing the roster you have is, you know, one of the, one of the, like, tenets of being a great coach, right? Like you can't, you're not going to win the national title at East Carolina, but if you can make East Carolina the best version of that team, you've done a good job as a coach. And so uh, Brent Key pulled them sort of out of the fog of malaise that they'd been in under Collins. And uh, I mean, shoot, he went four and four. Collins only won 10 games in four years. Yeah. So um, yeah, it was just, that was just a match that did not work out. And you wonder how much of college who had a great reputation as a defensive coordinator at Mississippi state when he was, he was there when, you know, they were on that Dak Prescott run. He had a great reputation as a defensive coordinator at Florida. And, um, you know, there was a lot of good there, but I think his temple success was, was fed off of Matt rule a little bit because mm-hmm. he inherited a, a really good team, really good roster from Matt rule. Okay, so Auburn, Nebraska, now Wisconsin, a lot of those things have taken up a lot of your time. What is the what's the one thing that's keeping Pete Thamel's phone alive right now? Is Deion Sanders going to Colorado or where is Deion Sanders going? 
people are fascinated with Deion Sanders. And uh, quite frankly, uh, if Deion Sanders does end up at one of these jobs, um, could be South Florida. Um, it, it almost seemed like they they dropped the uh, they dropped the Colorado offer there to just sort of see you know see if anyone else wanted to to step mm-hmm. in. Um, you know, could you imagine Deion Sanders at UNLV, Reese? Wow, that would um, that would certainly elevate the profile of the running Rebels. I mean, wouldn't have so much national attention since Jerry Tarkanian left the basketball sideline. Yeah, I mean, they'd get the next generation of Randall Cunningham's in football, which was the yeah. last time uh, you know they were really they were really ripping there. So um, I don't know if Marcus Arroyo got the fairest shake there in his mm-hmm. three years there. And you know, starts COVID, they go winless, yeah. and he built it to five and seven, which at UNLV five and seven is yeah. hard to do. Now I, I think they were four and one to start the year and, and went on a slide late. They could still make a bowl actually because they have good APR, but mm-hmm. um, it's a new, new AD, new AD, they, new AD. New yep, AD, new AD there, right? took yeah. over for Desiree Reed, Francois, Eric Harper. And look, there are so many now quick turn success stories that everyone thinks it can happen there. Oh, we're mm-hmm. going to portal it up. And, you know, Jim Moore is going to win six games. Oh, we're going to portal it up. And in two years, um, we'll bring in Hendon Hooker and we'll <laughs> kick Alabama's tail up and down the field in uh, in in old General Neyland Stadium. Um you look at Washington gets an injection from the portal with Michael Penix. You look at Oregon gets an injection from the portal with uh, with with Bo Nix. You look at USC; they're the they are the portal success story of uh, maybe of all time. They're knocking on the door of the playoff with uh, Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, Mario Williams, uh, Shane Lee from Alabama. I mean, they are they are team portal. Uh, Lincoln said it going into the year; it's going to be one of the you know most unique rosters in the in the history of USC and. Uh, both of us were skeptics that they could be here knocking on the door, but oh boy, yeah, they're there. Uh, they're I, I, I wondered what would happen when adversity hit. And in all honesty, I know they lost a game, but it never really hit. And yeah. you know, and to, that's to their credit. They they were yeah. challenged several times by adversity. I sort of meant like losing on something other than a late two point conversion in a hostile environment on yeah. the road, like you know, yeah. dumping one you shouldn't. And then mm-hmm. a couple of your stars didn't get the touches they wanted or whatever. And that never happened, but that's to their credit. And that's to Lincoln's credit for pulling them together. I want to go back to Dion for just a second. Oh, Dion is one of the most fascinating coaching candidates around because he can say whatever he wants to, because he's Dion Sanders. He doesn't have to play the game when he first or his camp, however, it, however it got out that he had been offered contact, whatever the, uh, semantics were about the Colorado thing. My knee-jerk reaction was, well, if I were Colorado and I did offer him, I would rescind it right now. Just because if you're not going to keep that circumspect and keep that to yourself, then that shows that that shows two things to me is that maybe you know you're not serious about my job, number one. And number two, I it would signal to me that um you getting the offer is more important than what you're going to do with the job. But then I started thinking about it a little, a little more. And I thought, you know what? This is refreshing because instead of playing the game, Dion just told the truth, which was kind of great, you know? Yeah. And I thought, you know what? So what if he, if he says he got the offer and he eventually decides to take the Colorado job, it's not really going to impact whether he does a good job. So, I mean, at first I think because you just don't hear it, I was like, 
I, I, I'd rescind that offer if he can't keep it to himself. And then I, I studied on it more and I thought, no, why not? Good for him. He's Deion Sanders. He's earned that. He can do what he wants. Yeah. Well, Joel Klatt uh, of Fox is been part of the Colorado search. Like people who interviewed for the job at Colorado have talked X's and O's with Joel. And I think Gary Barnett too, who's their uh, who's who's their radio guy. So there are some sort of natural interwoven uh, media pieces to the uh, to to this Colorado job. But it it is just a. I mean, that job opened the weekend we were in Boone. I believe because I went to uh, I went to Nashville from if it wasn't the weekend we were in Boone it was one of the weekends we were in uh, Clemson maybe the weekend we were in Clemson mm-hmm. so or, again that, that job opened a long time ago and they've had a bunch of chances to fill it and so it'll be it'll be really interesting to see if it does end up being Dion and then you know what how he handles all the responsibilities he's never been in an FBS school. He's never, you know, been in power five school. How do you manage the board? How do you manage the roster? How do you manage the portal? It will be a really interesting administrative challenge for Rick George to kind of get Dion up and get him running there in, uh, in Boulder, which is a place where there's not a really a big natural recruiting base. Um, it's a complicated place to win. And Deion Sanders has shown he can win at Jackson state. There's no doubt about that. He's, he is, He's got a talented roster playing really well. His son's a quarterback, uh, Shadour. And uh, look, when we were there, they they looked every bit, you know, if you had told me that was Southern Miss, nobody would have blinked, right? Yep. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they looked uh they looked every bit the part on the uh on on the hoof when we were there. And uh yeah, it'd be interesting to see how Dion handles some adversity because their roster is really bare bones right now at Colorado. And they'll certainly have a portal infusion. There's no doubt about that, but it's not. This isn't going to be USC where they're not going to door the playoff next year. So, um, Dion, there have been moments where he has not handled adversity well. So it would be interesting to see your three and six and just the stuff that happens as as the season goes. And again, the Colorado football program isn't exactly covered like the Alabama football program, but there's going to be scrutiny. There's going to be more accountability. Mm-hmm. You can't yell at a reporter because he calls you by your first name. Like you, you, you know, some of the Dion celebratory Dion stuff might get a little old, right? Like, can, can you run a program that's, that you are the primary heartbeat and energy of, and everything revolves around you at that level? I don't know. I, I think I would isn't love that to what, see it Isn't happen. that what all college coaches do they are, at the they end are, of the but, day? I mean, they really do. They may do it with yeah. a different type of personality, but I mean, every, every college coach is about that. Yes. No, no. I mean, look, we are in the cult of coach and it's worse in basketball than in football in some ways. Um, But yes, the cult of coach is very much alive. Um, Just look at their salaries and, and, you know, look at their, you know, the the graphics on the walls and their camps and and, and everything like that. But Dion's going to take that cult to a whole new level. And uh, yeah, I'll be, uh, I'll be, I'll be, there will be people who think he's going to, I've talked to people who think he's going to go win a national title. And I talk to people who think he's going to be an abject, miserable failure. And I talk to ADs who'd hire him a second. And I talk to ADs that wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole. So there's just, it is, it, the reason it is so interesting, Reese, is that it is so divisive, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you go hire Jamie Chadwell at one of these open jobs, just to use like your hot mid-major coach of the moment, right? Like Jamie Chadwell's probably going to win, you know? And you talk to 10 people that say, yeah, he does a good job. He runs a good offense. You know, he's an innovative guy. One at lower levels. We'll, we'll see. Um, you talk to people who think Dion could run the place into the ground, and you talk to people who think they could bring him back to the Eric B. Enemy glory days. 
And so like, let's go, let's let it rip. This is, we say it all the time on here. This is a billion dollar entertainment business and there will be no place that could offer more potential entertainment than Boulder next year if Deion's there. You're laying odds. You think that's where he winds up? I do, or, just because it's been so public and nobody's backed off it. Yeah, yeah, that'll be that'll be fascinating. That could bring game day back to Boulder for for the first time in a really long time. If if Deion oh, yeah. is head coach there, yeah, you'd have to box Fowler out. He'd try to uh, wallet <laughs> fifty for that one. <laughs> is Fowler in the? Uh, is he on the search committee too? Fowler's not on the search committee. They did not respect his X's and O's acumen enough. So tell him he needs uh, to donate more money, Chris. If you're listening, you're that, uh, that. That's what that's what it is. Is yeah, they're just gonna yeah. they're gonna squeeze Fowler for some more coin before they put him on those <laughs> boards like that. <laughs> you let Clack give more than you, Chris. Come on. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Uh, well, okay. I'm, I'm not. That's that's all I'll say about that. I, I better. I better not. I don't want to. I don't want to give Joel any more publicity than we already have. <laughs> no, Joel's a good dude. We're both. We're on a a board together with the National Football Foundation. He's. I enjoy his company. He's a good guy, and he'll. He's a good he'll guy. Help. He's a very good analyst too. Yeah, he's an help excellent them, analyst. He's well prepared. A, he's dialed in. You yeah, know, he'll I, help. Sometimes I'll be at walkthroughs or practices sure. Thursdays and Fridays. He's. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah, he's a good dude. He's a good. Even dude if he does sure. work for the enemy. So. Does he have a job on TV? I knew when he was a Boulder, like a Colorado radio show host. Oh, okay. I that's what I thought he was doing these days. Anyway, I, <laughs> I kid, oh, guys. We're just joking. It's a joke. Everybody's so sensitive these days, you know. Just a joke. All right, Pete. I guess we make predictions for the last time on Friday. You, me, and Bill race for the ribeye. We'll wrap it up with all of these conference championship games. Small spreads too for a bunch of them. Oh yeah, so, let's go. Let's fun. go. I'm uh, I'm excited, man. I'm uh, I'm I'm excited. It's been a it's been a fun season, man. And it's been, uh, awesome. I, it's been great. I, I'm ready to uh, I'm ready to get down to Jerry World. Uh, go to the Walmart next door and uh, <laughs> you know have a little uh, see how much purple pours in. Where are you wearing a purple tie? I guess you can, right? Um, yeah, you can go purple. Everybody's purple this week. My outfits may have or may not have already been picked out for me because my oh, wife's going okay. away here. And so I'm All actually right. looking over. I have a, uh, no, there's a red tie and a blue tie, my Friday and Saturday. Oh, uh, there you go. The you yeah, neutral. Well, perhaps we change. I have, I have some nice purple ties. Yeah. I may, I may go purple. I don't know. We'll see. All right, my man. I know that yeah. your computer blew up this week at the least opportune time. I hope that your phone doesn't for the next few days while you take care of the last remnants yes. of these coaching searches and transfer portals and the like. Yeah, we're just getting going. So it's uh, it's it's a marathon, not a sprint. So but it's been it's been fun. It's been an interesting, interesting carousel, some great hires. And uh yeah. And then I think there's still like 12 open jobs. So the uh, the phone yeah. will be a buzzing, Reese. Yeah, uh, it all it always is. All right, we'll we'll be back on Friday. Pete, Bill, and I will finish with a bang going in the race for the ribeye. We guarantee that all picks will be correct. Maybe when we pick <laughs> them on Friday. Thanks for listening to the College Game Day podcast. We invite you to download this wherever it is you prefer to get your podcast. We'll see you on Friday. <laughs>